0: Welcome to the Reunion Velvo podcast, a place where everyday people apprentice to Jesus. We're glad you pulled up a seat and we hope that today's lead-in encourages you to take your next step. All right, good morning and I just want to give you a little bit of a kind of insight to how I acted like a little kid. (laughs) Because when my friends were at home watching Transformers or G.I. Joe and other shows, I was at home watching The Urban Peasant. That's right. I grew up watching Canadian chef James Barber throw ingredients into a pan. He added a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And I was, I was absolutely mesmerized. Cooking was a very early passion for me. And The Urban Peasant, well, he, he added a whole lot of fuel. Still today, I'm a bit of a foodie, and so Hell's Kitchen, Master Chef, Top Chef, these are shows that I really enjoy, and they're entertaining, but here's the thing. They might be reality TV, but there's not really a whole lot of reality. Because as a little kid, and even as an adult, if you watch these shows and you mimic what you see, you don't always end up with the same result. Not at all, right? Like you can only do what you can see, and you can't do what you can't see. And so here at Reunion, we use this language of master and apprentice because reality programs are not reality. Each chef and certainly aspiring apprentices do something over and over and over again when it comes to cooking that cameras, well, they seldom capture if they capture at all. And what is it? The memorization and execution of a recipe. So last week we said, and we're going to say it again, that imitation leads to innovation and that is 100% true when it comes to cooking or for any skill for that matter. You see, the best chefs in the world imitated ingredient by ingredient, gram by gram, step by step recipes long before the ingredients became a playground of innovation a recipe is a building block or structure where the personality and palette of these chefs could be explored but only 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 after perfecting the recipe and we get this uh, when it comes to cooking and when it comes to other parts of our lives right innovation is only a result of intentional imitation of a recipe or a method or a step-by-step process, whatever you want to call it, that imitation leads to innovation. You just don't show up and you have a fantastic palate. You just don't throw ingredients in the pan and have a fantastic meal. You start with what you know and you let it grow. And so we said last week that many of us have been taught growing up in the church, and some of us haven't been taught at all, but you have seen, you've seen other people pray. And so much like the cameras on reality TV, those moments of, those moments of watching others uh, pray, well, they really fail to capture the reality of the private repetition, the rhythms and even structures that enables those public prayers. So what do we do? We can only do what we can see and we can't do what we can't see. So we head home, we're encouraged to pray. And so we close our eyes, we clasp our hands, we say a few words and well, the result can be dissatisfying, can it? We can only do what we can see and we can't do what we haven't seen. And so in Luke chapter 11, it says the apprentices asked Jesus, can you please teach us how to pray? And so he began with a structure they knew and invited them to let it grow. Start with what you know and let it grow. That's what we talked about last week in this This last week, I prayed and I invited you into the early church in Jesus' own rhythm of an imitating, provided morning, midday, and evening prayers. And we began each day with the Lord's Prayer because I honestly believe, and this is kind of the big deal for this morning, I honestly believe the Lord's Prayer serves as our prayer life much like a recipe serves a chef. The Lord's Prayer begins as a regular, everyday, common prayer, but turns into a cuisine of communication that provided a doorway, and still does, for even the beginner to pray around with. And so I gave you at the end of last week's gathering after communion an example of how I use the Lord's Prayer as a doorway to innovation. And so I want to walk through it a little bit more this morning together. And so if you want to turn to Luke chapter 11, we'll be reading along. In kind of focusing on the words and the, the sentences and the fragments or the ingredients of Jesus' prayer, the Lord's Prayer. And it starts simply with our, or our Father. But let's just pay attention to the word our. I love this because it's it's an indication, it's an invitation to even challenge that... It's our, not my, or therefore this simple first word is an invitation at the very beginning of the prayer to open ourselves up to the needs, the desires, the praises, and excitements of not just what's happening in my life, but prayer is an invitation into community. It's an acknowledgement of community that we can now pay attention and invite the Spirit to draw us closer to others. So prayer isn't just about me and therefore some sort of transactional conversation where I'm going to say this and therefore God's going to do that. Our, the word our offers us to think, remember, and again invite the Spirit to bring to mind family, friends, church, neighbor, city, and even our country. And so when I begin, and this I'm just gonna give you examples of what I do, and you saw this last week, but when I just start with our, I pause and I invite the Holy Spirit to bring to mind people, events, circumstances, even areas of our community that that might need a little bit of prayer. And so I start right away with opening myself up. That this time with you in prayer, God, is not just about me, but it's about our. It's more about us than it is about me. Which brings us to this next part. It's our Father, and again, this is incredibly deeply personal. It's something that would have shocked the early apprentices, and it still can to many people as they hear their pastors maybe say, Daddy or Abba, because it is kind of a little too intimate for some people to like, and that can be a good thing. It's an invitation into closeness that it's not just our God, it's our Father, this invitation into an intimacy that goes beyond me and even goes beyond some of our comfort levels. But it does also reflect an authority to honor our father and our mother. So God is worthy of honor. Fathers are, well, and you know this a little bit my own story. It's it's an interesting word, isn't it? Especially on today, Father's Day. Some of us are here and we're celebrating the fantastic fathers that we had. And some of us are here today mourning the fathers that we had. And some of us are somewhere in the middle. Like our dads, our dads are great in some ways and not so great in other ways. And so fathers are really difficult... Uh, Struggling word that it just it can mean so much to so many people, and so I love that Jesus in this moment doesn't just say our Father; he says our Father who is in heaven, meaning our Father who isn't your earthly dad. I've said this before, and so I just want to reiterate it. That as a as a young apprentice of Jesus, referring to God as my Father was really difficult because of my own relationship with my dad. And so for Jesus to remind us in this moment that this is not about your earthly father, this is not about what you've seen or even what you've experienced about, it's about your heavenly father, which means guess what? Your heavenly father is the one who created heaven and who has created a place that reveals his character. I believe that the kingdom of God or heaven, not in some Philadelphia cream cheese floating cloud experience, but the character of God is revealed in the type of community or the, the kingdom of God that is created. And so when we think about heaven, what do we think about? We think about of a lack of, of sadness or pain or suffering or cancer or death. And we think about life. We think about reconciliation. We think about inclusion. We think about acceptance. We think about absolute love and light and warmth we think about everything that is good and that is therefore a representation or a manifestation of the character of God and so when Jesus says our father who is in heaven it's to pull us away from the experiences we've had on earth and to focus on the character of God and so right away as I'm praying this in my own life I'll say our father bring to mind the people the places the circumstances that I I might be invited to pray for. But I also want to pause right now, God, and just acknowledge that you, are, that you are good, that you are kind. This week I was actually meeting with my spiritual director. I do that once a month. And we were discussing the voice of God. And I've said this to you before, but it just it came up again in our conversation this week that I can tell it's the voice of God because God speaks to me with kindness. I never feel shame when I'm with God. I'm... I never feel uh, condemned. I never feel punished. I never feel belittled. Every time the spirit speaks to me, it's with kindness and with warmth. But that doesn't mean that it's not direct. It doesn't mean that God isn't still honest with me. Because yes, God can be your father, but it doesn't mean that he's still just your best friend. And that's a good indication for even for us in the room who are fathers or, or hope to be fathers, or maybe one day, would I be a father that, yes, there's this idea that we can be our child's friend, but we're also still very much the child's father. And there's an authority there. There's a a uh, a call into goodness that is there. And so Jesus doesn't just say our father who is in heaven. He says, hallowed or holy is your name, which is a beautiful reminder that, yes, my God, God, as I pray, you are good and you are kind and you love me. And you embrace me, you invite me close, but I also want to acknowledge in this moment that you are holy, that God is holy and so is his name. One of my favorite ways to think about holiness is light. So God is light and his holiness is light, meaning wherever God is, there is no darkness. Are you afraid of the dark? Because lots of things can happen in the dark, right, intentionally or by mistake because we cannot see properly. Things are hidden, but in the presence of the holy God who is your Father, nothing is hidden. Everything is revealed and everything can be seen, both all what we want to see and certainly all the things that I wish I could hide. And so this moment of reflecting on the holiness of my Father who is in heaven is both incredibly inviting because in spite of everything that i want to hide god invites me to come close but in spite of everything that i want to hide it can't be hid and so god knows my darkness he knows the areas of my life that his light has yet to touch or i have hidden away in a closet away from his touch and so i become aware of the parts of my life that i'd like to hide from god and so during this time it's this holiness that i'm just like god you are my father but i don't can you help me unpack this? Can you help me understand why I'm being hesitant in revealing this to you? Why am I approaching you with fear instead of um, instead of trust? And so I'll spend some time here just acknowledging that, hey God, there's something in my heart that wants to hide. There's something in my heart and just the way that I understand you that is that is distorted and I want to open that up to you. And so my father our Father, sorry, our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name, help me open up. But holiness or hallowed be your name is a reminder that prayer is about honoring God's name. So we've had discussions or you often hear people perhaps talk about taking the Lord's name in vain, but to pray without intention, to simply go through the motions with no intention of our action or engagement afterwards is using the Lord's name in vain. To pray that God would do something with no indication or no, sorry, no intention that you would be involved in it, I believe, is a, is a way in which the modern church continues to learn, use the Lord's name in vain, like, oh God, just, just do your thing, like Carrie Underwood. Jesus take the wheel. Like we just we expect God to do something and we have no desire actually within our own spirits, within our own bodies, within our own apprenticeship to engage in that very issue. And so there's a hallowedness or a, a dangerous activity to prayer that isn't just about God doing something. It's an invitation for us to participate as well, which brings us to this next section, your kingdom come on earth as it would be in heaven, or sorry, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is an invitation that changes me and an invitation to use me. And so this is both a statement of surrender end enlistment in essence we're saying god bring heaven into my life into my community into my city my family this world and so i will pray through the areas that i see and i said this last week i use the lord's prayer a lot when i'm walking i take a 45 minute walk every single day and i'm praying through this and so as i'm seeing my communities i'm seeing my neighbors as i'm experiencing my city i'm praying that god's kingdom would would expand i'm praying that god's kingdom would overwhelm and to love the hell out of the brokenness that i see And in doing so, this is an invitation, again, like we just said, to not use the Lord's name in vain, but to understand that what I hope God will do is an invitation for me to come alongside too. That what I want to see God do to me, I want God's kingdom to reign in my life. But in doing so, as an apprentice or as a priest, as uh, Paul would refer to us, that we are an outpost of God's kingdom, that what God does to me, he intends to do through me. And so this is a section of prayer of submission. It's a white flag. I surrender. The greatest desires of my heart is my Father in heaven and His kingdom. Which again is incredibly inviting. <laughs> God wants to do something to you, but He wants to do something through you and with you. And so that's incredibly challenging. Wow, God wants to set up His kingdom in my life? In my life? He wants me to be an outpost of the kingdom? Ugh, I don't think I'm ready for that. I don't think I have what's, what it takes. At least that's how I feel when I get to this section of scripture when in Jesus' prayer. As I'm especially walking around our city and I see the brokenness and the, the pain and the suffering that takes place just locally and globally. I'm like, what in the world can I simply do? I feel overwhelmed. And so then Jesus transitions yet again to another ingredient that says, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread. Now I often start this section of praise for what I've all, or this section of the prayer with praise for what I've already received. I can't speak for everyone in our community, but I have the privilege, at least at this point in our seasons of life, where I have, or at least could have, three square meals a day and a few snacks along the way as well. And so I take this as an opportunity to not necessarily pray for my physical needs in terms of bread, but to pray and to give thanks for what I have received. And so I thank God that I've received three meals that I have a job And jobs to sustain our family that Kristen's got great employment and she can also help us pay for stuff and together as a team that we have been blessed to be able to support our kids and make sure that we're fed well and we rest well and I've got a nice firm pillow because I'm super uh, picky when it comes to my sleep patterns (laughs) but these are the kind of things that I pray but I just take a moment I reflect on my life and all the good things that God has provided because every good and perfect gift is from above And so I thank God for all that I have but I'm also reminded during this moment as I just said that men cannot live or people women they them us we cannot live off bread alone Jesus says and so I'm I'm brought to this awareness again that yes for all the brokenness that I see that I sense that for our church as we wrestle through what it looks like for us to be a local parish loving the hell out of our touchable community whoo how are we supposed to do that oh my goodness I don't feel equipped I don't even feel equipped as a pastor to lead you in this way I say Jesus I need more than bread I need you I need every word that comes from the father I need to survive and find my sustenance spiritually and physically my life it should be rooted in Jesus and so I need less bread and more of Jesus less bread and more of Jesus Which brings us to our next ingredient. Jesus goes on to say, forgive our trespasses. This is interesting because as we work through our Father who is in heaven, holy or hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. I'm already coming face to face with the things that stand in the, in the way of that relationship. I mentioned this in regards to the holiness of god i've mentioned this in regards to even the father that there's a relationship and there's there's stuff that gets in the way i've noticed this and i i confess this in regards to my abilities or my assumptions that i am capable and i don't rely on god i rely on me and so by this point by this point i've come to this reality that wow, there's some stuff staying in the way of this relationship that it's not about transaction, it's about relationship. And so I find it, maybe you have too interesting, that Jesus would put forgiveness in the middle of this because I don't know about you, but I grew up in a church community that taught me that if I didn't first confess my sins, Jesus would certainly would have nothing to do with me as a sinner. God would turn his back on me. And so the first step is confession. And yet with Jesus, it's, it's not. In fact, if you were to listen to Paul from Romans chapter 2, verse 4, it says this, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Now pay attention to this. This is so good. Can't you see that His kindness is intended to turn you from your sin? Did you catch that? Can't you see that it's His kindness... That's intended to turn you away from your sin. Wait a second. It's not God's wrath. It's not God's anger. It's not the threat of hell. It's not the threat of eternal torment that's supposed to turn me from my sin. You're telling me that God's going to love me and be kind to me, patient with me, and that is supposed to turn me from my sin? This is a whole other sermon that we could discuss about how God loves the hell out of us, but the point is, is that prayer, by this point in Jesus' prayer, and for that matter, any conversation that I have with God, I'm so often overwhelmed by the goodness of God and saddened, therefore, by the ways that I've taken relationship or our relationship for granted. My confession of sin isn't out of fear of hell, but out of sadness and in response to how I've responded to God's love, His kindness, His grace, His patience. So if there's nothing maybe perhaps you read or hear or listen to today that I'm about to say that I've said so far, pay attention to this next line because I think this could be the big deal when it comes to prayer for us this week. Jesus is teaching us that confession isn't an act of fear but a response to love. Confession isn't an act of fear but a response to love. That will totally transform confession. That will totally transform your understanding of God. That will totally transform, I believe, if you apply that simple truth, the confession isn't an act of fear, but a response to love. If you believe that, if you allow that to become a foundation to your understanding of God and your relationship with God, it has the power to transform your life. The confession isn't an act of fear, but a response to love. I want to let that set in, or sink in, sorry for a moment we don't confess out of fear we confess in response to love wow and so I believe that Jesus puts confession down the recipe in the middle of this prayer because by this point I've already thanked that I we have a father our father who is in heaven therefore everything that I hope heaven is everything that we and we don't have a good picture of it but everything again that we hope heaven would be is a reflection of the character of God and so when we pray that God, yes, your kingdom is coming and you want me to participate? Wow, and thank you for all that I have? Wow, it's that response, it's that realization and praise of God's love in us that leads us to confess anything that might stand between us. That is incredibly important to our relationship with God. Confession isn't an act of fear, but a response to love. Which then brings us to forgive us of our sins as we... there's as we this is a tied in understanding it's not a a plus b it's a a equals b as we forgive those who trespass against us because the more i accept and understand the god's love for me that is a prerequisite to confession or repentance or even forgiveness i gotta tell you it really challenges my understanding of the relationships and the tensions that i have within them And so it makes me, during this time, pause and look at my relationships, as I just did with my relationship with God, sorry, during that confession time up top. It's not out of fear, it's out of love, and so I take a moment, if not many, many more, to circle around my relationship with God and confess anything that's in the way, any way in which I'm getting off track. And so I do the same thing here with my relationships with people, with this place, with the land in which I live, and I'm just confessing and saying, oh my goodness, is there anything that stands in the way? am i holding a grudge bitterness a hardening of hearts against anyone god help me forgive and so when jesus says you got to forgive 70 times seven i've been there i've had some really uh, incredibly difficult things happen to me in my life and i've had to come before jesus and say god i know that you've forgiven me but i'm having a real problem with so-and-so and i just can't let it go every time i think of them i think of what they did not who they are and so god would you help me forgive them In this moment, I I confess that I need your help. And so I take some time and consider my external relationships. Even with myself, there's things I got to let go of and just, hey, Wes, I forgive. I forgive even myself. And so I take quite a bit of time often in this area just to reflect on my relationships with everybody that I come in contact with. Forgive us, Father, for our sins or trespasses as we forgive those who have sinned or trespassed against us. And so that leads us into this last section lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil recently the wording in this section has been changed to say do not let us fall into temptation because the idea that god is going to somehow use darkness to lead us is i would i would say an antichrist theology it's antichrist meaning it's not like jesus that jesus doesn't use darkness to bring us to light He doesn't tempt us with sin in order to enhance our holiness it's funny because in Luke chapter 11 where we're reading right to now where we're reading right now um, Jesus later is accused of casting out demons under the power of Satan he says that's that's a ridiculous idea because a house divided against itself is going to fall I'm doing this under the power of God and guess what I have more authority and more power than anything any one any being in Satan's army So I'm casting them out because I have the control and the power to do so. And I love that. And so Jesus isn't inviting us to just, uh, God don't lead me into temptation. He's saying, Jesus, in these moments of my temptation, I need to rely more on you. That you are the great authority. You are the the Alpha, the Omega. You are the one who has given me your name, your power, that the same power that raised you from the grave is in me, that I have your name to stand on, and I can use it as an authority in my life against the temptations that I come face to face with. And so I'll often spend, and I not often, I always spend time in this moment of the prayer opening myself up to these areas of temptation because they, I have them, <laughs> And so do you. We don't have to spend a whole lot of time thinking about it. If if there's one weakness in your life where you really feel like you're drawn away from God, what is it? You know what it is. And this season is X, Y, and Z, or maybe it's just A, or it's B, and you know what it is. And so in those moments, I focus less on what I'm doing, and I focus more on my reliance on the Holy Spirit. That, yes, I want to name this area of my life, this area of weakness, this area of temptation, and strip it of its power because I have authority in Jesus' name. And so I, I will speak against these temptations. I will pray for an anointing of the Holy Spirit to, to build me up in strength so that I will not fall into temptation. God ain't leaving me there. I have no problem finding it. And so when I see it, I want to, and under the power of the Holy Spirit, say, no, get behind me, Satan. I ain't saying yes to this. I've said yes to Jesus. And so I go for it. And I just, I spend some intentional time in prayer in this moment. And so I would invite you to do the same. And then at the end of this, I just simply say, I have an intimate moment with God where I say thank you or I wrap it up. I don't know how it always ends. It's certainly different every single day. But one of the things I hope you notice about the Lord's Prayer as a recipe, then it can lead you all over the place. Imitation leads to innovation. I look at each section of the Lord's Prayer as an ingredient that I can apply and I can dig into. It's like a, an onion almost where you can peel back the layers. And, and where's it going to take me? I don't know, but I'm just open to the Spirit's leading. And I've never, ever prayed the same prayer twice. Which brings me to a really important final note. And so yes, confession isn't something we do out of fear. It's something we do in response to love. Here's the second thing I want you to know this morning. You're gonna need more time to pray because you're gonna have a lot more to say. You're gonna need more time to pray because you're gonna have a lot more to say. And so I remember as a young person, I would be invited to come to prayer meetings and I've even led them and they were an hour long. I was like, oh my goodness, what are we gonna pray about for an hour? That seems like a ridiculous amount of time. No one can do that. And then you sit down and you just simply work through the Lord's Prayer, and you're like, oh my, that, that went by really fast. I had a lot to say, and so guess what? I'm going to need a lot more time to pray. That's a good problem to have. And so this week, your growth opportunity is to continue with our rhythms. In the morning, say the Lord's Prayer. At lunch, you're going to read a psalm plus the shema. In the evening, I pray, and I hope I would encourage and even challenge you to do the examine. But then throughout the rest of your day, I want you to look at a section each day of the Lord's Prayer. And so on Monday, it's going to be our Father who is in heaven. So say it when you wake up in the morning, recite the whole prayer. Imitation leads to innovation. Start with the entire prayer. But then throughout the day, I want you to to focus on allowing that simple statement, that ingredient, our Father who is in heaven. Where's it going to lead you? What cuisine of communication might it open you up to? I believe you're going to need more time to pray because you're going to have a lot more to say. And then on Tuesday, you'll go on to the next section. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name on Tuesday. Wow, what does it look like or feel like? What's your experience of coming into the holy presence of God? And then Wednesday, Thursday, and so on and so on, you'll just take another section and just continue to allow these ingredients to expand your palette of communication to God. Start at the start. With what you know and let it grow imitation leads to innovation i believe the lord's prayer is an amazing tool it's not just a liturgy we say for the sake of saying it it's an amazing tool a doorway into innovation and personality and personal connection to a god who is present and so this week as you pray i pray that you, i i do hope more than anything else you would experience the type of prayer that i i do experience through by simply using The Lord's Prayer as a recipe. So as we end, we're going to read this a couple times together as a community. We're going to ask, what is God saying to you and how are you going to respond? What portion of the Lord's Prayer is standing out to you today? And then the question is, why do you think that is? Dig into that a little bit this afternoon as you're relaxing, maybe watching golf or enjoying this beautiful day that we have. But what is God saying to you and how are you going to respond? Thank you for listening to today's lead-in. We pray that you were able to learn something about Jesus today, but equally important, we pray that you sense a step you might take in response. What would it look like for you to live with Jesus today in light of our discussion? You can learn more about our community at www.reunionbelleville.com, and we're always here to walk with you.